3: All right. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Heritage Radio Network. We are coming to you, as always, live from the back of Roberta's Pizza here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And you're listening to The Farm Report. I'm your host, Erin Fairbanks, and today we're getting a little cheesy. Uh, We're going to take you on a tour of Essex County here in New York State as they prepare for the first Essex County Cheese Tour. We are joined uh, to kick off the show by Lori Davis, who's the coordinator for Adirondack Harvest. Lori, welcome to the show. Hi, Erin. Thanks very much for having us on the show today. So what is Adirondack Harvest?
4: Um, sure. Uh, just briefly, I'm the coordinator of Adirondack Harvest, and it's a program of Cornell Cooperative Extension in Essex County. Our, our goal is actually to connect Adirondack farmers and consumers, both in the Adirondacks and uh, outside, with um, education, marketing, and, and ag support. We give them a logo that then they can use to identify uh, their food is being produced in the Adirondacks. Um, Essex County's experienced a real explosion of new and young Farmers over the past ten years, and we're really enjoying the benefits of having a wide diversity of direct market local foods up here.
3: Yeah, no, it's definitely exciting. So, Essex County—it's made up. Of, is it? It's thirteen areas within the county. Is that right?
4: Um, th- well, there's about thirteen counties within the Adirondack. Within the Adirondack—that's
3: um, with, what I'm. Okay.
4: Yeah, yeah, with with at least a portion of the county within the blue line uh, that demarks the Adirondack region.
3: And one of the phrases I liked from uh, some info I was taking a look at is um, the working landscape of the region. Can you talk a little bit about what that means as it relates to agriculture? Um,
4: sure. Uh, one of the, of course, the charms of the Adirondacks is that uh, so much of the land is either used uh, for recreation or for agriculture or lumber, and that was one of the uh, original visions of Adirondack Harvest was to keep keep the land working, keep, keep the beauty and the vistas that everyone enjoys when they come up here uh, in active um, farming or some sort of working uh, uh, profession so that we can can all keep enjoying this land.
3: Yeah, and the landscape is funny. I was at a meeting uh, earlier in the week where one of the producers at the table said, you know, we don't want to let, you know, what happened to New Hampshire happen in, to New York. He's like, they, they got rid of all their pasture land, and now it's just trees. Everywhere you go, it's trees, 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 none of the beautiful kind of scenic vistas that I think we're so lucky to have here in New York State. Well, uh, Essex County Cheese Tour, give us the broad strokes. Where did this idea come from? What can people expect, and, and how do they learn more?
4: Uh, sure. We're really excited about this tour. As far as we know, it's the first of its kind the, uh, up in the far northern reaches of northern of New York. Um, we do know there's an annual cheese tour in Washington County, and that was a source of our inspiration. Uh, but we've been waiting for sort of a, a critical mass of artisanal farmstead creameries here in the North Country. And this year, Essex County actually uh, hit three creameries. And in, in my book, three's a tour. So... Uh, Uh, the creameries actually contacted me. They're all members of Adirondack Harvest. And uh, we just put this together in the uh, late winter. Uh, Just by coincidence, these these three creameries have established themselves in a neat little arc. So it's a a perfect little driving distance, only about 15 miles or so from North Country Creamery to Asgard Farm and Dairy, and then another 10 miles from Asgard to Sugarhouse Creamery. That's it. Uh, So we just just packaged it up and and decided on a tour date of Sunday, October 12th, which is right in the middle of Columbus Day weekend. And we picked this date hoping that that folks from out of the area might want to make a weekend of it. There's plenty to do in the Adirondacks, and it's right in the middle of the sort of peak foliage season for the Champlain Valley and the Adirondack Foothills. Um, Both Asgard Farm and Sugarhouse Creamery offer farm stays, um, which can be really charming, and so we're encouraging people to book a stay if possible. So So at least for this first year, this will be a a self-guided drive-yourself tour. We don't have any tour buses. And the farms will be open from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. on that day. And You can visit the places in any order, whatever people feel like. Um, They'll be giving farm and or creamery tours, depending on the farm, Uh, plus giving out cheese samples. And this is all free to the public. Uh, But in addition, each farm will have a a farm store with the cheese for sale and other local farm products. Uh, Many of them coordinate with other farms to sell local products. Um, And then uh, another part of this tour will be prepared foods at each one of the farms. Uh, For example, Sugar House Creamery. We'll host uh, the Clay Hearth, which is a a new food truck out of Keene that produces wood-fired pizza in a renovated horse trailer. It's pretty cool. And they'll be using local cheese on their pizzas, um, along with other local ingredients. And then at Asgard Farm, we'll have a, a Paul Smith's, Uh, college professor come down. uh, He's a chef, Kevin McCarthy. I I believe he's bringing some students with him. And they're going to be creating gourmet grilled cheese sandwiches uh, with two different kinds of cheese. And then North Country Creamery has their own cafe that just opened this year called the Clovermead Cafe. So the chefs there will be showcasing the cheese in several different ways. And so these are all extra things that will be for sale, but you can do the whole tour for free. Um, And that's really it in a nutshell, but for more information about the tour, you can go to our website, which is AdirondackHarvest.com, and there's a click-through banner on the homepage, which will just take you right to the Cheese Tour page, or you can get there from a drop-down menu under our Events and Projects tab. Uh, There's also a PDF of our brochure, so there's a file there if people want to look at our brochure that can't get to one, um, as well as a Google Map to help you locate the farms. Um, So we really hope we can entice some folks from outside the Adirondack region up here to take our beautiful cheese tour and spend some time taking in all that our region has to offer, especially the local food.
3: Oh man, Lori, um, you are kind of wetting my whistle down here. We are going to, we're, we're going to move to a short break. And when we come back, we're going to get a chance to talk with all of the cheese makers that you outlined here at the top of the show. And uh, I want to thank you for for kind of coming on and, and giving us the nuts and bolts. And I'm looking forward to connect with the cheese makers In the second half, I will probably also be on Hotwire looking to book a rental car. So job well done, Lori. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Erin. Okay, hang tight. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more Cheesy Talk.
6: Hey, my name is Betsy Andrews, executive editor of Severa Magazine, and I am hanging out at the coolest, most delicious place in the world, heritageradionetwork.org.
3: All right, we are back. You are tuned in to the Farm Report, and we are continuing our very cheesy talk. We are on the line with an old friend, Rhonda Butler of Asgard Farm and Dairy. Welcome to the show, Rhonda. Thanks. Happy to be here. So I am super excited to hear a little bit more about what's been happening up at the farm, but I want to start, for folks who are not familiar with you guys, with a little bit of background info. Um, can you give us kind of broad strokes about the, the production and the work you guys do up at Asgard?
6: Well, um, the main thing that we do here is um, we have a herd of dairy goats. And uh, we milk those goats here on the farm and produce uh, cheese here on the farm. Uh, we are milking uh, 44 goats right now. And we produce a uh, variety of goat milk cheeses, uh, fresh chev, of course. And then we do a couple of soft, ripened cheeses that are in the tradition of um, France's Loire Valley. We do a uh, raw milk... Uh, feta cheese, Greek style. Uh, we also do a um, raw milk um, tome. We call it a Sable Valley tome um, that's adapted from a, uh, a goat milk tome from the French Pyrenees. And uh, just recently we introduced a a new cheese. It's a, a goat milk Gouda cheese. And um, in addition to the goats, we have a variety of other livestock we have a uh, beef cattle herd and we also raise uh, heritage breed pigs and broilers and we have laying hens and we just started a small garden enterprise this year so basically um, you know the center piece of what we do is the goat dairy and the cheese, and then all of these other activities are linked, really, to that. Um, and uh, and um, you know, we have a a, a lot going. On. We have a lot of balls in the air. Yeah, here. it sounds like you have a lot of balls
3: going in the air. Well, I think it's so interesting, you know, that you you say kind of all those other you know, animals and then the vegetable operation are kind of linked to the cheese. So maybe let's break that down just a touch. Um, I know that, you know, with uh, goats in particular, parasite management is always a concern, and I know having, like, multi-species on a farm can help with that, but maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit about kind of how that works on on your operation.
6: Well, sure. The um, I guess uh, first we were... um, We started um, raising pigs, mostly because uh, whey is a byproduct of cheesemaking, and one has to do something with that whey. So we happen to have a very um, good uh, pig breeder in this area, a breeder of heritage breed pigs. So we get feeder pigs from him every spring and raise them largely on the whey that we produce from the creamery, in addition to grain that we get from a local farmer. And then they um, have, we move them through the pasture and the woods surrounding the farm. Um, the cattle herd, um, you know, our farm was out of, uh, out of operation for many, many years. And so the fields uh, needed to be rejuvenated and brought back. Uh, we started a beef cattle herd um, because of, you know, in order to help bring the fields back, um, and also because they happen to work well in terms of multispecies grazing with the goats. Um, you know, cattle are dead in hosts for um, parasites that are harmful to goats and vice versa. So if we work the rotational grazing properly, we can; those animals can clean the fields for each other. Um, the similar thing with the layers, I mean, we have the layers following the cattle by a few days, and in doing that, when they do that, they are able to distribute the fertilizer that the cattle leave and also ingest the insects and the, um, all the goodies that happen to, to exist in the cow pies and everything, so they help clean the fields as well. And the broilers, it's a similar thing. I mean, they do it on a smaller scale because they don't move as much. But, um, but we find that, you know, trying to, to work out that puzzle of having all the animals moving through the pastures at, the, you know, the right time and in the right order really keeps ev- the pastures uh, productive and clean and healthy for everyone.
3: Oh, man. And then it sounds like you guys probably have the ultimate spot to go and have dinner at, um, kind of like picking from the best of all worlds. So well, I want to talk a little bit about kind of the the Essex County and the Adirondack region and give folks a little sense of, you know, why this area is seeing a resurgence in um, cheesemakers. You know, there are the three creameries that we're going to talk, you know, yourself and the two other creameries that we're going to talk to today. But I wonder if you can kind of illuminate on, you know, kind of why cheese for that region and what makes kind of a, a cheese from Asgard uh, vis-a-vis the Adirondacks kind of, you know, different than, you know, some of the recipes and the techniques that you're using, which are, as you mentioned earlier, French.
6: Um. Well, the, um, you know, I think the, um, the cheese-making um, boom, if you can call it that, in, in Essex County is part of uh, you know uh, a more widespread um, boom in farming in general in this in this part of the world. I mean, when we first you know my family first uh, landed in this area in the late '80s, and um, and farming was not as active and. Uh, not um, as there weren't as many uh, farms making as many products as as there happen to be today. Um, So, you know, I I think that as people have come to understand what, um, you know, what the shortcomings are of um, some of the farming practices that exist today throughout the country, there's been a new interest in farming and a new interest in in farming the you know small-scale farming and uh natural farming and so so that that um trend has hit this area in general and um and you know dairy farms are are part of that um so we're fortunate to have you know three dairy farms in essex county today
3: and what about you, like your cheese that you guys are producing on on the farm? Do you have a sense of, um, you know, kind of what uh, the the terroir of, of of your particular space is bringing to the cheese? You know, I, I think in particular when we're talking about you know fresh chev, it's like such a simple product that it really allows you to to really just taste the milk and taste the pastures. And maybe you can talk a little bit about kind of what you're seeing in that cheese and and if it's changed at all as you guys have been doing work restoring the pasture since you started back in 2008?
6: Right. Well, um, I think that, I mean, you know, our area is, um, our our particular area, um, we were surprised to find that the, um, you know, we have pretty good soils here. Um, we've been working on them, you know, to improve the fertility and improve the forage mix um, for over 10 years now. So um, I think that, in, you know, we're, we generally have plenty of rain and, and um, you know, the growth of all the forages is, is pretty good. We also have, I mean, in the case of goats, um, which like to browse as well as, as um, graze in the pastures, we have um, wood surrounding all of the pastures so they our goats have the ability to go back and forth between our pastures and our woods and um, and the you know we have very good quality milk from um, moving them around like that the the flavor of the milk you know is is always very subtly influenced by the um, by what they're eating on any particular day. I mean, it's not, and and I would emphasize subtly influenced. I mean, there's not a great variation in the flavor of the milk. Our our milk, our goat milk is, I I don't know. I mean, it's almost like a milkshake. I mean, it's ever so slightly sweet.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: You almost get this. Um, you know, when you drink the milk, you almost get this sort of sense of a milkshake,
3: actually. That sounds so. delicious. And so uh-huh. I'm excited for folks to to get up and sample kind of the variety of cheeses and check out your farm. And, I know, like one of the excited things I'm. Uh, well, one of the interesting things I'm looking forward to sharing with our listeners is that actually all three of the dairy farms that we're talking to today are actually at your place. So I'm going to ask you to pass the phone on over to Ashley from North Country Creamery at Clovermead Farm, and we'll kind of continue our cheese talk with her. But thanks uh, so much for joining us, Rhonda.
6: Well, it's great to talk to you. Yes, and actually Stephen is here today. Oh. Uh,
3: from North Country Creamery, so I will turn it over to him. Awesome. Hello. Hey, Stephen, it's Aaron down here in Brooklyn. Um, Welcome to the show.
5: Hey, Aaron, thank you so much. I'm an avid listener, so it's great to be on.
3: Awesome. So you uh, and your partner, Ashley, are kind of new to the cheese-making business. As I understand it, you guys are just starting your second season, is that right? That's correct, Yep. So what brought you to the cheese-making world?
5: Well, personally, I used to have a little black market raw milk ring back in the day.
2: But (laughs) I uh,
5: wanted to come to the other side and and do it the right way. And uh, and so we wanted to focus a large amount of our sales on, on raw milk. And so we and I believe the other two creameries on the tour are all certified to sell raw milk. But, you know, you can't do just that. So we also make... Yogurt and a variety of aged and and fresh cheeses.
3: And unlike uh, Rhonda and her team at Asgard, you guys are working uh, with dairy cows, correct?
5: We are, yep. They're 100% grass-fed dairy cows that, um, actually, uh, the bulk of our herd, the the initial cows that we got, came from Tim Joseph of Maple Hill Creamery Cows. And um, he he used to farm, and I believe he's just doing the, the... creamery end of things now. And so we were really excited to find his cows because they were 100% grass-fed and also once a day milked, which we also do. And so, um, well, last year we did twice a day milking um, and they just weren't prepared for it yet. I I think that, um, you know, due to the the move and, um, yeah, just forage differences, they were better off with twice-a-day milking. But now we have the luxury of of once-a-day milking, and I think that being 100% grass-fed, it really lends
3: itself to that. Also lends itself to a slightly more relaxed lifestyle for for you and Ashley, I'll bet.
5: Yeah, definitely. Yep, and we also have an intern this year, so um, she's been helping us out a great deal. So um, yeah, compared to last year, it's been um, you know, it's not totally relaxed, but you know, we're able to do a lot more.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so one of the interesting things I, uh, of note for your particular uh, farm is you guys decided to put a conservation a conservation easement on the land. Um, I wonder if you can just uh, give us kind of broad strokes of the the, the property and the and the operation. Uh, you know, what what it, what's kind of the look and feel there, and and how many animals are you working with?
5: Yeah. Well, so we went through open bases Institute, and they're based out of New York, and I think they're a, a national organization. But we really couldn't have done this without their their support. Um, and so we are we're milking 19 cows right now. But all in all, um, from their offspring, we've got 35 head. Um, so we've got the yearlings from last year, and and um, this this year's heifer calves, and we're actually raising a couple bull calves for. Veal, or maybe they'll they'll stay around with us a little bit longer, um, and so we're we're doing that all on 112 acres, but only 50 of that is tillable. So um, there's a lot of woodland um, that we've taken advantage of for for timber, um, but you know we're we're really sustainable in, in using that stuff, um, and so the the conservation easement also dictates that um, we should continue using this property for agriculture and and um, we're not to clear land and which we're not about anyway so um, it's really good to just you know know that if we were ever weren't on the land which we plan on being there um, for you know for forever um, then'll we'll, the the land will remain in good use so
3: yeah, no, that's excellent. Um, well, so when one decides they're going to start a cheese making operation, um, I'm just curious if you can talk a little bit about how you chose what cheeses to make, and in particular, um, what I want to highlight here is kind of the the time factor. You know, one of the things I think about starting a, a cheese operation is, you know, how quickly you can turn that kind of milk in the quote unquote bucket into you know, uh, a cash flow for your farm and how that maybe dictates the mix of cheeses that you choose and that you choose to explore over time. So can you give us a little insight into how that process worked for you?
5: Yeah, well, we started up in an already established creamery. The previous owner, Sam and Denise Hendren, they had the creamery there and the the parlor was already set up. And um, uh, with the exception of some equipment and tools being gone, it wasn't hard for us to get on the ball and, and rolling. The only real issue was um, having all the cows have out around the same time, so we were dealing with the issue of um, pretty small vats in the beginning, and we chose to go with um, a variety of, of cheeses just so that you know we could uh, diversify and um, we figured we'd, there'd, there'd be a larger um, customer base, um, more interest in our products if, if we had a lot of Different things available, and so you know that's not always the, the best way to go because especially for begin, beginning beginning cheesemakers, it's um it, you're going to run into your problems dealing with all those types of cheeses. But um, Ashley had landed a mentorship program through uh, Northeast Organic Farming Association of New York. That was a that is currently that's a three year program. In the first year, it was great. We were able to hire Sam Hendren, the, the previous owner. To show us the ropes and he was able to get paid through that and um, it also paid for for books um, to really get us off and rolling so we can still call him, text message him and he's there whenever we need him Um, and this year we hired Peter Dixon to come out uh, for a day of consulting and we'll be able to go out to his place at some point this year to uh, finishing up with that that consult.
3: Wow! So sounds like you guys were able to take advantage of a lot of the existing infrastructure on the actual property, but also um, you know resources that were available to you within the community. And I'm wondering for other folks who are listening out there and are, are interested in, in starting to think about presu- you know pursuing uh, a similar operation. You know, how did you guys know about that stuff? How did you do it? How did you kind of like? get in the loop to be able to take advantage of, of those kind of opportunities.
5: Yeah, well, honestly, I wish Ashley was here to fill you in with the nitty-gritty with the, the Open Spaces Institute and all of that. But um, she honestly took um, the reins when it came to that. She was already doing that prior to us being together. And um, I, once we were together, I, I knew that I wanted to pursue this with her. But, um, yeah, she... Um, was given a lot of support um, from the folks at that institute, as well as um, the previous farmers were really wanting to sell the land. So um, they, I think, they were going for several years um, without many good leads trying to sell the place. So um, they were looking to to move um, to a nearby town and knew that um, you know with Ashley and myself going onto the farm, they they were happy with. Um, they got fair market value for their place, and it was all helped through Open Spaces
3: Institute. Oh, so sounds like taking advantage of, of some good resources and being in right time and right place, and then picking a good partner. Nice job.
5: Yeah, <laughs> <all right>. yeah. <laughs> I looked out there. And, um, well, another amazing thing is that there was a farmhouse on the property that we were able to rent out, and that's a, a good source of income for us. And uh, there was a three-season apartment above the creamery and the milk house and the parlor that um, we knew that we'd want to live there so we could rent out the other place. And um, yeah, so we winterized it. And uh, yeah, that that's how we were able to be creative. But there are really so many opportunities out there for people to um, either lease land or just to get creative and take advantage of all the resources there are out there for, for beginning farmers. But, you know, there is a lot of lot of stuff to to read and a lot to take in but you know we were given good guidance
3: oh man that's really inspiring well thank you so much for taking some time to fill us in and um i'm excited for folks who are going to get a chance to stop by and taste some of those great cheeses
5: yeah thank you yeah and i'd like to add that we've got a cafe on our property um that we opened up i guess i should mention that that was that was another benefit of of this place is they're was a building already on site, and that was operated as a cafe. And we didn't have the gusto to get that going last year. Uh, we just operated it as a farm store. But when folks are coming by our place, they'll be able to take advantage of the food that we offer there—that's from local farms and and creameries. And um, yeah, and down the road, um, we're we're in a nice little niche in that we've got a two veggie farms, a meat farm that has a, that do sustainable grazing and and they've got a taco truck and they do sausages and we've also got a brewery that just opened up. So it's a really nice little niche
3: community. Oh brother, that sounds awesome. We are going to take just a short uh, station break and when we come back we'll be on the line with Margot Brooks of The Sugar House. So hang tight, you're listening to The Farm Report and we'll be right back.
1: to announce a special event the silver snail 25 years of slow food this event is hosted by slow food usa heritage radio network and roberta's pizza it's been 25 years since carlo petrini and a group of activists launched a peaceful revolution to defend regional traditions good food gastronomic pleasure and the slow pace of life The Slow Food Movement has since evolved into a comprehensive approach to food that recognizes strong connections between plate, planet, people, politics, and culture. Today, this movement involves thousands of projects and millions of people in more than 160 countries worldwide. Join us for a dialogue between Slow Food's founder, Carlo Petrini, and locavore activist, Alice Waters, as they reflect on the evolution of the food movement and all things slow. Friday, October 3rd from 11:30 to 2:30. You can go to our website and click on the link on the right-hand side of the page to RSVP. We can't wait to see you there.
0: Hello, this is Mark Ladner from Del Posto and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network.
3: And we're back. You've tuned into the Farm Report, and we are taking you on a little virtual tour of Essex County. Our last stop um, on the line with one of my favorite cheesemakers, Margot Brooks of Sugar House. Welcome to the show, Margot. Hi, Erin. How are you? I am doing great. It's great to have you back on, and I'm excited to hear how things have been going up at the Creamery.
7: Awesome. I'm so excited to be on.
3: <laughs> so... Why don't you give us, you guys are also kind of new to the, new to the area, how did you end up in the Adirondacks?
2: Yeah,
7: we are super new. We are the newest of the three of the farms on the tour. Um, we ended up here just over two years ago now. Um, we were in Vermont before, before moving over across the lake. Um, we were working on a farm, when I say we, I'm talking about um uh, my significant other, Alex, Alexander Eaton, and myself. And um, we were in Vermont working on a farm down in Rutland County called Consider Bardwell Farm. And um, we were we spent just under five years there, um, myself as a cheesemaker for about two years, and then um, together managing the farm. And uh, eventually just got the itch to do it on our own and try to, try to start our own thing. And our land search started in Vermont, and then as we got kind of discouraged by land prices and saturation of cheesemakers, we ended up expanding our search into New York State, where I grew up, and, um, but particularly the Adirondacks. We, we went to school up here and loved it, always loved this area, and uh, ended up finding this little farm where we are now, in Upper Jay.
3: So, you know was not a turnkey operation? Can you give us a sense of what you guys had to do to get the space ready to make cheese?
7: Yeah, um the property we found was a small it's a, it's just over twenty two acres, all open pasture land um, and it's actually right in the town of Upper Jay, which is a tiny tiny little hamlet but um we're on town water, and we are like you know we have a lot, we're surrounded by neighbors, but we are our own little uh agricultural enclave um, and the fr- this property had been sitting on the market for four years um, and it was actually in a short sale, so there was a bank that was holding the property um, It's like a step before foreclosure, basically, so no one had been living there for four years. The water and electric hadn't been turned on in four years. the lawn like the lawns or the property hadn't been maintained or mowed or anything in that time so it was pretty overgrown and the buildings were still in good shape but everything was just starting to look pretty pretty dingy and pretty run down so it took about a year for us to get everything um you know just in working order and then create all the spaces you know within the existing barns where we could um milk cows and make cheese and age cheese so we just got started actually um, milking and making cheese in December of this year. Now, or, December of last year.
3: December of last year. So yes. you, when you were at Consider Bardwell, you were working with goats, milk, and goats, um, and then you guys were also buying in uh, cow's milk. Why did you decide to go with cows over goats for the creamery?
7: We, um, At the time that we bought this, this property in... Um, in upper j there was only one uh... other cheese maker in the area and that was asgard farm Um, rhonda and dave who you heard rhonda was on the phone earlier and um... they were making goat cheese up here and and our property we're only about five or six miles away from them and um... the one reason was that they were already here making delicious goat goat milk products another reason was that um... The farm itself was kind of, although it hadn't been in operation in a long time, it was already set up pretty much for cows. So there were some, you know, existing infrastructure for cows and fencing was a big thing. If we um, had decided to go with goats, we would have had to invest a lot in bumping up our fencing and um, the perimeter of the property had already been fenced in a long time ago. So we were able to make do. With what was already there, if we went with cows, um, and then we, one of the things we wanted to offer um, as a product was raw milk, and um, we thought that raw milk would be you know, raw cow's milk is a little more um, in demand, I think, than than raw goat's milk in general. So we ended up making the decision to switch to cows.
3: One of the interesting things I, I know from talking with you is you thought pretty carefully about kind of the scale of the operation you were looking to have and, and you know how that might impact your lifestyle. Can you talk a little bit about kind of what went into making that decision of kind of the volume of product you were looking to produce and and where you were hoping to retail it and, and how that kind of was shaped by your past experience and, and how things are kind of working out now that you're, you know, you have eight months under your belt anyway.
7: Yeah, sure. Um, we, uh, yeah, we we came from Consider Bardwell which is a pretty large I mean in terms of artisanal cheese and farmstead cheeses it's a it's a larger scale operation. They sell they have nationwide distribution and um some of the bigger you know in I believe Whole Foods is one of their accounts and um they 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 make a lot of cheese for for a artisanal farmstead operation um, and they one of the things that that means is that they have a lot of employees and we we being one of them um or two of them uh and i guess we working there kind of came to realize that we really loved farming and um and the lifestyle working with animals working outside just the diversity of tasks and um, the challenges that you get to face every day. They're just exciting and fun and diverse. and um, But we didn't relish the idea of uh, having employees <laughs> <laughs> and having to manage other people. So um, we really wanted an operation that would be manageable with just the two of us. And, um, and then we also knew that we, we didn't really want to spend a ton of our time Marketing products and um, exporting them from the region where they were produced. so we we kind of thought that this this farm would would be that small scale um, you know, but just by nature of the land base, it's a small land base so we could only have so many milking animals there. and um, but it's perfectly situated in a region where there's a lot of tourist traffic, um, basically three seasons out of the year. So we thought it would be a perfect place to, to sell our product as well. Um, and so far that has been true. This will be our first real winter, um, you know, selling, trying to, to eke out a living in the winter. And uh, everything slows down. There is a pretty good ski crowd and ice climbing cloud that, crowd that comes to the area in the winter but it definitely slows down a lot so we'll see how it goes.
3: We'll see how it goes. Well I know you guys are producing four different types of cheeses right now and and they're listed as original varieties so can you take us through the cheeses you're making and, and, and what makes them original and what that kind of means for a cheese?
7: Sure yeah we um yeah, we make four different cheeses, and two of them are pas- made with pasteurized milk. When you make pasteurized milk cheeses, you, can, uh, you don't have to age them as long, and you have a quicker turnover. You can sell them whenever you want to, really, once they're pasteurized. If you make raw milk cheeses, you have to, by law, age them for 60 days before they're legally ready for sale. So um, we make two raw milk cheeses and two pasteurized milk cheeses. Uh, our pasteurized milk cheeses are softer. Um, one is called Little Dickens. It's a little button, weighs about eight ounces. It's uh, hand-ladled cheese, so the cheese is, uh, the curd sets up overnight. It's a lactic cheese, and, um, which is a higher acidity cheese, and um, it gets hand-ladled into these little mold, round molds and then uh, ripens in our cave for about ten days. It gets a nice little white uh, kind of bloomy Bloomy rind, Penicillium rind, um, and then we can sell it, so it's just a nice, fresh tasting cheese. We call it a little milk biscuit, It's just super creamy and um and lemony it's really nice paired with something sweet, like a honey or a jam or fruit in the summer. It's really good on like on a, you know a green, fresh greens or a salad of some sort. Um, and then our other pasteurized milk cheese is called Pound Cake. That one ages a bit longer than Little Dickens, about 30 days. It gets a nice white rind, but it, we actually let this bloomy rind get um, mottled with some wild molds that are just ambient in our cave. Um, so it has kind of a speckly mottled rind. And it's kind of, you know, I guess the most similar to a brie that, that we make um, and then we have two raw milk cheeses: a Troubadour, which is uh, a semi-soft cheese made in a three-pound tome and washed with beer from a local brewery that just uh, just got going um, re- very recently. Actually, they just got their licenses all through, and they've opened their tap room and they started filling growlers at the farmers market. They are called Ausable Brewing Company. We're happy to be able to use to collaborate with them and. Um, wash our cheese with their beer. And then our fourth cheese is called Dutch Knuckle, and that's kind of our signature cheese. It's this big, hearty, alpine-style cheese. Um, It is a mountain cheese, and we're here in the mountains, and our cows are brown Swiss cows, which are the kind of cows you'd see if you went to the eastern Swiss Alps. And this Dutch Knuckle cheese is the kind of cheese you would eat if you went there as well. It's based on an Appenzeller recipe, so it's got these nice kind of fruity, fruity sharp notes up front and then a nice nutty caramel kind of sweet finish. So,
3: Yum. Thank you so much. I'm so sad we're out of time, but it was really great to kind of hear a little bit about the cheeses and, and what's been shaken up at the farm. I really appreciate it, Margo.
7: Oh, thank you so much, Erin, for having us. And I hope we get a crowd up here for the Essex County Cheese Tour. Me we're
3: super too. excited about it. Me too. And I want to give a, a, a special plug for the Sugar House Creamery's Instagram feed. Definitely worth a follow. And for folks who want to find out a little bit more about the Essex County Cheese Tour, definitely visit adirondackharvest.com. They have all the information there on the tour, the farms. Uh, I can get links to them there to find out more. If you can't make it up for the tour, definitely put them on your fall calendar and check out those cheeses. Uh, Thanks so much for tuning in. This has been another episode of The Farm Report. This show, like all 39 of our weekly programs, is available for free. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher Smart Radio, or visit our website, www.heritageradionetwork.org. We are a member-supported nonprofit organization. So if you believe in our work, please click that Donate tab and become a member today. Thank you so much for listening, and stay tuned in. Thanks for listening to this program on radio network.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at radio network.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 non-profit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.